Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP causes a douchebag to fail his classes. After university, late 2018, I fell on rough times and was forced to move back to my hometown. I tried to transfer my job to a branch in my area, but failed. Thus, I needed to get a new job. I settled for a 20-hour week job at a bookie's, with a second bartending job in the evenings. The bookie's was the target for my revenge, which was entirely accidental. The characters in this story are Janelle, my manager's manager, Shay, my manager, George and Gordon, my co-workers, and Kara, a co-worker at another store, who's relevant later. I ended up working behind the counter as a customer service manager, basically a step up from cashier. It's fancy when seen on a CV, but there's really nothing to it. I took bets, chatted with customers, helped people with machines, and, for the vast majority of my shift, sat around waiting for something to do. I got on well with my coworkers, or so I thought, and had no major issues. It was 20 hours a week, about one pound more than minimum wage with a lot of overtime required of me and irregular shift patterns. Though I had no issues with the job beyond how difficult it was to juggle the schedules of both of my jobs. In February of 2019, after working for the company for six months, I was invited to a probation hearing. It cannot be emphasized enough that it was a probation hearing in which I would have my performance reviewed and, as informed in training, was entitled to a pay raise at the end of it. I arrived that morning to a disciplinary hearing where, without even a shred of evidence, I was accused of 11 different cash discrepancies dating back to early November of 2018, shortly after I'd started, which all amounted to 217 pounds all but one of which I'd never heard of before. These had apparently been reported and logged by my manager, Shay, and my coworkers, despite no one saying a word to me at all. Not a whisper in the five months this had apparently been occurring. I was told that it was unacceptable. A call was made to HR, and I was terminated on the spot and forced to hand over my keys and to never set foot in the store again. To my protests, I was told the decision couldn't be appealed and I would eventually receive written confirmation of my employment's termination in the post. I didn't let myself slump around and feel sorry for myself, so on the way home, I opened up Indeed and applied for a bunch of jobs and, before I arrived home, had an interview set up for the next week at what is my current place of work. Now, I was furious fuming at having gone to what I thought should have been a normal probation hearing and having effectively been called a thief and been banned for life from a place I'd never go to anyway. But somehow, my parents were even angrier and ordered me to let them know when they got into contact with me again. Almost two weeks later, I received an email from the company's HR which reiterated the accusations and stated again that I was terminated. My mom sat me down in her kitchen and walked me through a letter response that was two parts professional and three parts scathing. Ripping into them about their unprofessional conduct, their ludicrous claims, their lack of evidence, the holes in their story, because there were quite a few, and finally the cherry on the cake, the employment laws they'd broken. Now, I didn't want much, just a nice reference. A promise that not a whisper of these accusations would turn up when my new job asked them for a reference, because by then, I'd already been offered the job. I then attached the letter to an email to fire back at their HR department. And in this part of the story, OP forgot to mention what he included in the letter. But basically, he laid out all the evidence about how this was a false claim of theft and explained all the labor laws they broke. And basically threatened, give us a good recommendation, or else. 
Then I added Janelle's work email, then her boss's email, and finally the holding company that owned the brand. Cause I wanted to make sure this was seen. A bit of background, the bookies I worked for is a brand that's owned by an international company. Their name, behind the scenes, is slapped on everything and they pretty much dictate everything we did. I'm not sure if holding company is the correct term, but I'll stick with that for now. Anyway, I sent this email with a 48 hour window for a response. I received a reply the next day from the same email that my demands were being met. I smirked victoriously and moved on with my life, happy to wash my hands from the entire ordeal. However, I'd set off a chain reaction that I wouldn't know about until three months later. Three months on, I settled into my new job, a call center position with double the hours and well over double the pay. I'd gone through training and was settling into my new position when I see a new set of trainees settling in near my team. Among them was Gordon, one of my coworkers from the bookies. I was stunned. Gordon had been at the bookies for six years when I joined. He was well-liked, good at his job, and a favorite of the managers. There was no way he'd been fired. Though I didn't really want to talk to him, as I was of the impression that he, George, and my manager had likely set me up. I did want to know what happened. Luckily, on seeing me in the break room one shift, he sought me out and told me everything. Apparently, my email had been read by the higher-ups in the company and had caused a lot of scrutiny to fall onto the bookies in our town, of which there were three in our area that Janelle was responsible for, two in my town and a third in a neighboring one. Someone in HR passed a message down to the area manager, Janelle's boss, claiming they wanted things investigated and they wanted results yesterday, causing him to drop everything and descend on our little town with the panic and aggression of a man whose superiors were watching his every breath. He went to Janelle wanting to know why he hadn't been made aware previously that I was apparently stealing money, why I'd been given keys to the shop and shifts on my own when allegations of that nature were attributed to me, and why I hadn't been put under investigation. Turns out, Janelle had in fact put in my employee file that I was under investigation, but had never actually gone through with any of the official procedures for monitoring and investigating me. Shock. Horror. Thus, she'd fired me for the accused crime without looking into it at all, falsely claiming otherwise. Thus, the area manager took the dates and amounts of the cash discrepancies, confirmed that they had been reported on those days, without my knowledge, in Shay's own logbook of the shop's cash, and sent that information on to our security team to investigate. Another little detail is that the CCTV for every shop in the brand is outsourced to a private security company who monitors each shop remotely and has access to all the cameras and video. As was procedure, they looked into the dates mentioned to see if I'd been doing anything untoward. I know I wasn't, and nothing was ever said to me. But they did find something. Turns out, money was going missing from the shop, but surprise, surprise, it wasn't me, but George and Shay. They not only set me up, for reasons I'll never know, but were also falsifying numbers and cash checks on the system to hide it. One thing Shay was caught doing was deliberately shortchanging customers by taking portions of their winnings without them even knowing it. Bear in mind, a lot of our customers were elderly men and women. Gordon claims that he once opened the shop after I and Shay had closed the night before and noticed a cash difference but had been told not to say anything to me as I was under investigation and it could compromise it. He did apologize and I let it go. Needless to say, George and Shay were fired. But it doesn't end there. Our team was small. Including me, there were a total of four people working at the store. 
As they hadn't been able to hire anyone to replace me, George and Shay's termination meant Gordon was the only employee at the busiest shop in our area. Even if they'd been able to get other colleagues from the other two shops to help out, it wouldn't have been enough to keep the shop open and manage the amount of customers. So they closed the location down until they could get the staff to run it. It was at that point that Gordon handed in his resignation and applied for his job at my work, meaning they had no one. On top of that, Gordon's girlfriend worked in the same shop as Janelle and she relayed that she was rarely at their store in the other town for the next few weeks before the area manager reported that she was fired as well, no reason given to her. I was later issued an apology for everything by the area manager and informed that Janelle was no longer with the company in an email sometime later. But somehow, it doesn't end there. With the store I worked at closed, this one being on the high street and where most people preferred to go, the only other location in town was the much smaller location in the suburbs. The one where Kara worked, alone. She suddenly received an influx of customers into her tiny store space and absolutely no support from other staff or upper management. Thus, for her own mental health, having already been overworked and underpaid, running an entire store by herself, she quit meaning that location had to be closed down too. All of this was at the worst time possible, March, when the Cheltenham Festival was occurring, which is a huge moneymaker for the gambling industry, even in small towns like ours. An opportunity the three other bookies on the high street reaped the benefits of instead of my old place, as the former customers went to them instead. As it currently stands, just over a year later, both shops remain closed and I'm currently entering a job in cybersecurity, the training for which I paid for with my current job. Thanks for firing me, you morons. You did me a favor. Our next Reddit post is from Mountain Trekker. During my second year in college, I lived with three friends in a house that had another four other guys living on the other side of the house. The two sides of the house had a lot of mutual friends as my roommates had known them from high school. So we had tons of parties together during the year and got along pretty good until a few months before final exams. Each side of the house had its own electric, water, and cable bills, which we paid separately. I always handled our bills and paid them each month, but our water bill was actually in my roommate's name. I'll call him Bird. So one day, the biggest turd on the other side of the house, LaDouche, who handled their bills, walked into our house when I wasn't there and confronted Little Bird and yelled at him, saying we owed him over $500. Apparently, their water bill each month was about $125, and ours was $40 to $50. bucks. LaDouche thought there had been a mistake in the billing, so we should split the bills down the middle. After I was told about this confrontation, I contacted the water company and asked about the billing. I was told over the phone the bills were specifically split up to each side of the house, but a person would come out to check out the water meters. The next day, a technician stopped by and looked at the meters to make sure they were operating correctly and that they were billing to the separate sides of the house. He confirmed there wasn't an issue with the meters or billing and basically said they're probably using more water. End of story. I told my roommates about this, but because of my schedule, I didn't see LaDouche for about a week. During that time, he confronted Little Bird a couple more times who told him about the water company's position, but again, he was yelled at. Inside our own house and was again told that we needed to split the bills with them. Then the weekend comes. My roommates and I head to a house party hosted by some mutual friends. At some point during the party, I was in the front yard when a friend runs up to me and says LaDouche is trying to fight Little Bird. 
We run to the backyard, and through about 50 people, I can see LaDouche, with his roommates behind him in the middle of the circle pushing Bird, yelling that he owes him money, and LaDouche throwing Bird onto a beer pong table where he held him down, saying he was going to beat Bird. I nearly lose my mind as I see this, and immediately grab LaDouche, say a few choice things, and shove him away. I wanted to do more, but it wasn't worth it. Yet. So, LaDouche and I actually had a class together. We weren't friends, never sat together, and since the whole water bill incident, we never even looked at each other in the 500-person lecture. He always sat with one of his roommates, and I sat with one of my best friends, Rose. As the water bill fight somewhat subsided and the final exam got near, LaDouche and his roommate started to act more civil, and would even make small talk to Rose and I in the hall about the final were 75% of the grade, topics to study, blah blah blah. They knew Rose and I had A's in the class. It wasn't a very difficult class, but I enjoyed it and actually studied quite a bit and knew I'd probably get an A and maybe I'd let Rose cheat off of me on the first test. I told Rose I had a feeling LaDouche and his roommate were up to something since they were being so nice and that I expected them to try and cheat off of us. So I came up with a plan if they tried. Now, the format of the test is important. It was a packet of questions with the answers A, B, C, D listed vertically. And then you transfer your questions to a bubble scantron, which is another sheet of paper that gets put through a machine. Not sure how familiar people are with it. With this format, I told Rose that I would circle an answer. She would look over and circle the same answer with a big circle, ensuring that anyone looking could see. We would do this for the entire 100 question final before marking our answers on the scantron. The key to the revenge plan was that the actual answer was always going to be the answer directly below the circled answer. So if we circle A, the answer we put on the scantron is B. If the circled answer is D, the answer we put was A. For a few days, I kind of thought I was being weird and crazy to come up with this plan because there was no way this guy actually thought he would cheat and I was blinded by anger. Either way, when the day of the final exam came, we got to the room early and I sat on the far right seat of a row with Rose to my left. Guess who strolls in and decides to sit next to us for the first time all year after he threatened to beat up my best friend a month before? Oh yeah, LaDouche. Dude had no shame and snuggled right in the seat next to Rose with his roommate next to him. Rose and I could barely believe it and had to use some serious composure before the test started. The two of us operated like a well-oiled machine. We circled our answers large, and at the end, we went back through and marked the correct answers onto the Scantron. During the test, we could both see LaDouche and his roommate leaning and copying our circled answers. Unreal. Fast forward to the summer break, and LaDouche's roommate came over to our side of the house when he saw Rose was there with me. He opened a beer and chatted for a bit before he finally got to what we were waiting for. So, how did you guys do on that test? I remember looking at Rose and saying something like, I don't remember exactly, but I know I ended up with an A in the class. And she chimes in saying, Yeah, that sounds about right, because I got a 92 on the test. (laughs) The look on his face told us everything we needed to know, and he mumbled out, Really? LaDouche and I both failed and had to take the class again. That was r slash pro revenge and if you like this video then let me know by hitting that like button because it really helps my channel grow.